Okay, so yeah, we're in week two of a sermon series that we're calling Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And last week we talked about what really an amazing thing it is that we have this opportunity to communicate, to interface, right? To talk to and hear from God. And just how amazing that is. But as amazing as it is, a lot of people tell me that we don't do it enough. And a lot of people say that the reason we don't do it enough is we don't feel like we do it very well. Like maybe, like, maybe I don't know how to pray. Or maybe at the very least, I would like to know more about how to pray. So in this series, we're looking at how to pray. And we're going to be looking at the life and the teaching of Jesus. And we're also going to be suggesting some cool extra biblical resources, um, podcasts, and books, and even some cool prayer apps, which are really amazing. And you can find a list of those resources at mycbcb.com prayer. I think we'll put that up there, and we'll show you what that, that page kind of looks like. It's just got some different books and some really cool apps, and just some really interesting and helpful information about prayer. And a couple of the key resources on there are these two books. Um, the first one is called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. That applies to some of you. Pete Gregg is the author. It's a great book. And I love this book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. As goofy as the name is, this is one of the most amazing books I've ever read by a guy named Tyler Staten. Uh, in fact, if you're visiting with us today, if you'll go back to our Connection Center, I will give you one of those books. Um, if you're not visiting with us, then you cannot have one of those books. We, <laughs> we, we, last week, we bought like 30 of these books and we ran out. So like, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We've got like a QR code back there. So you go, if, you, if you're not visiting, go back there, scan the QR code. It'll take you to your Amazon account. You can buy your own stinking book. But it's a, <laughs> so listen, it's a great book. These are, these are, these are life. They've, they've changed my life. I'm telling you, they've changed my prayer life. In fact, I just want to say this right now. We're going, to be, we're going to be quoting these books a lot for the next few weeks. And so just in case I ever forget to give credit, anything smart I say today or in the next seven or eight weeks, um, just assume I learned it from one of these books. Um, but our best resource is Jesus, right? his model and his teaching and his example. And in fact, in Luke 11 and in Matthew 6, he doesn't just talk about how to pray. He actually gives us a model how to pray. So in Matthew 6, he's saying, look, when you pray, don't try to get all fancy. Don't try to come up with impressive words. Don't just babble the same thing over and over. And then finally, I can see him. He's, I, I know the feeling, like he's talking to people and they're not getting it, right? And I think at some point, Jesus finally just said, you know, just, just do it like this, right? And then he does it. He just prays and he gives us this amazing Jesus-approved model, for how to pray, and it's really cool because we can actually use the exact words from that model. Or we can use it as like an outline. Have you ever talk from an outline with like bullet points? Um, you can use it that way, like a template. That's a good way, like a template of how to pray. I always think about this when I watch like politicians on TV, because you know, they come into all their press conferences and speeches with what they call talking points, right? It's like, these are the four things that are gonna get said today, right? I don't care what the question is. Right? These are the answers. I am going to say these four things no matter what. I may say them different. I may say them faster. I may say them in different order. But I'm saying these things today. And that's kind of what Jesus has given us in this, this like outline, this, this template of how to pray. And so um, Protestants call this template the Lord's Prayer. Right? And Catholics, we got any good Catholic friends in here? What do we call that prayer? Our Father. That's right. And that's really... That's, that's kind of a good thing to call it because in Matthew 6, 9, that's exactly where Jesus starts. 
he says, you know what, just, just do it like this. This then is how you should pray our Father in heaven. So Jesus starts the whole thing with the importance of knowing who you're talking to. And this is really important in, in all kinds of communication, right? Um, we gotta know who we're talking to. If I'm, if I'm talking to a stranger, I'm gonna talk a little differently than if I'm talking to a friend. If I'm, if I'm talking to a doctor about my pain, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk a little differently than if I'm just complaining to my wife about my pain, right? If I'm talking to a three-year-old, I'm gonna talk a little differently than if I'm talking to a grown-up. If I'm talking to someone who's exactly like me, I'm gonna talk a little differently than if I'm talking to somebody that's completely different than me. This is in any form of communication. Even when you write a letter, if you, oh, okay, here's something, uh, young people, um, before DMs and IMs and SMS, right? Before text and WhatsApp, before emails, and yea, verily, before cell phones, when people wanted to communicate, we used to use these things called letters, okay? And, it's, and if you go to a museum or something, you'll see they took, we would get like a piece of paper and we would get a pencil or a pen and we would like write our thoughts down on that piece of paper and then you folded it up and you put it in another folded up piece of paper called an envelope, right? And then we would put stickers on it and those are called stamps. And you had to buy the stamps and that's how they paid for the people to take your letter to somebody else and give that and, and, they, would, and they went through a place, maybe it's called a post office. And that's like sometimes Amazon, you have to pick up packages at the post office, but post offices used to be a place where people would send letters. So that's why you come to church, man. You can learn something new every <laughs> single week. So anyway, in these, in, these, in these letters, each one started with um, a, a greeting or a salutation, where it would say like, uh, dear Niles, right? I'm just like, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm talking to you. Like, this is who this is for, dear Niles. Or if it was like very vague, it might say, to whom it may concern, right? This is the greeting. This is the salutation of the letter. And then at the end, they had a thing you ended with called the complimentary close, right? Remember, old people? Remember, you would write like, dear Niles, blah, 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 blah. Sincerely, Larry, right? Or maybe we had some other, like we would say, your friend, Larry. Or here's my favorite, yours truly, what a cute thing to say, huh? Right? Dear Niles, blah, 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 blah. Yours truly, Larry. And then if it was somebody you really cared about, what would you say? Love. You would just like sign off. Love, Larry. So here's a funny side note. This does not count on my preaching time. Um, so my, my grandmother grew up in that world, obviously, right? And so she would always do her letters all officially. And I can, st I can still see her handwriting. I mean, she wrote these letters all the time. Anyway, when we first, like new era, new times, right? We got a phone with an answering machine. And my grandmother would call me, but when she left a voicemail or an answering machine message, she would do it like it was a letter. It's like she would use those, like the salutation and the sign off. And so she would like, you know, leave her message after the thing, beep. And she would say, dear Larry, <laughs> you know, happy birthday. Um, be sure and check the mail because I sent you a birthday card with a dollar in it, you know, or whatever. And then she would sign off, love grandma, right? So that's the way that's, I mean, this is an important part of communication, right? Like who's talking and who we're talking to. But I want to tell you, prayer is a type of communication, like a DM, like an instant message, like a voicemail or a letter. But, but this, this idea of our Father in heaven is so much more than a common greeting 
or a salutation. This is not just a polite way to say, hey God, I'm talking to you. Our Father in heaven is an intentional reminder every single day and every time we pray of who God is and who we are and who we are to each other. Uh, in the Psalms, if you read through the Psalms, you'll see a word show up a lot called selah. You ever seen that word, S-E-L-A-H, in the Psalms? And it's kind of, and you know, it's weird because it's been they've been translated, the whole Psalm has been translated from Hebrew to English, and yet we leave that word in Hebrew. And do you know why? We're not sure what it means. We're not sure what selah means. Um, the thinking is that it's a musical expression marking so like when a, when a composer writes a song, they put the notes and the lyrics and all that stuff, and then sometimes they'll put like a little note, like with passion, right? Or like gently or something like that. And then like that's telling you how to sing it or how to recite the poem. And the thinking is that selah means as you recite this poem, as you sing this song, slow it down right here. You know, at this point, like just take a beat, just take, just take a sec, just, just take a minute and, 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 and think about just hang out on that, on that thing. And so if I was writing a poem of the Lord's Prayer, I would put a selah here. Our Father in heaven, selah. Let's just take a minute. And let's soak in that for a second. Let's marinate in this idea about who we're talking to so that every day and every time we pray this prayer, our Father in heaven is a reminder of who he is. And this is really, really important because if the one we're praying to is uncaring or unpowerful, it's gonna have a big effect on the way that we pray. So Jesus starts us with this line to intentionally draw our attention to the fact that we're talking to God. I mean, Jesus starts the whole process with a reminder that God is our Father. And that's not, I mean, that may not be that big a deal to you because you were raised to pray, dear heavenly father, right? We say that all the time. Father God, we say that all the time because uh, that's how Jesus did it. But before Jesus, right? When Jesus was t teaching these people how to pray, that calling God your dad was not just surprising. It wasn't just shocking. It was scandalous. To those people to call, to be that familiar with God because they saw God as, as this huge, holy, powerful, you know, creator, provider, protector, judge that revealed himself in lightning and earthquakes and fire, right? The everlasting, immortal I am, so reverent, so holy, so distinct from humanity that they wouldn't even say his name. They wouldn't even write his name because he's just, he's too holy for that to even come out of my mouth. And the whole Old Testament talks about the wisdom of having this profound like respect, but more than respect, awe of God. In fact, all through the Old Testament, they call it the fear of God. Um, when Isaiah had, if you read Isaiah 6, um, Isaiah has this um, like a vision. This is where he gets his calling, right? And he says, it was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And all of a sudden, he's like whisked up to this place in this vision. And he says, I, I saw the Lord. He was seated on a lofty throne, right? And the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. And these beings were all around him singing, holy, holy, holy. And God was so amazing and so big and so powerful and so holy. But you know what he says, rut row, right? 
I'm, I'm toast. I mean, I, I'm gonna die now because God, compared to him, right, I am so low and I'm so dirty and I'm so unclean and I'm so unworthy that it'll probably kill me to even see his glory and his power and his amazing holiness. And that's how they saw God, right? Like, you can't even look at him. You can't even say his name. And so, when, like, he's kind of unknowable, you know? He's unapproachable, right? And so when Jesus said, yeah, call him dad, right? That was, they was he wasn't introducing him to a new God, the same God, but a new way of seeing God, right? When he said father, this is not, not, just, not just in awe of God, but a loving, familiar relationship with God, right? And knowing him much more familiarly than in the Old Testament. And do you guys remember David Robinson? Played for the Spurs? So this guy was um, really smart, right? Patriotic guy, good Christian guy. He was a good guy, right? He was also an amazing basketball player. He led the league in scoring a couple times, at least once. Uh, MVP, won a couple of championships. Um, he was elected to be one of the top 50 basketball players to ever live, right? Pretty good basketball player, right? Then he retired and he went into business, and he's like unbelievably successful in business. In fact, he was running two equity funds that were worth over a billion dollars each. And the reason he did those was to donate that money to like the Carver Center and all these different foundations and charitable things to help poor people. I mean, just an amazing, incredible Guy, he, he was an amazing businessman. He was an incredible basketball player. He was an amazing philanthropist. He was seven feet tall, right? So he's like, he's not like anybody you know, right? He's not like anybody I know. He's, he's, he's different. He's different than me. He's different than us. Um, but one day I saw him in Wendy's and he was with his two little boys at the time. And man, he was just, you know, they were fighting over their chicken nuggets and they spilled their drink, you know? And he was just like helping them and he was so nice and kind and gentle with those boys. And he was like funny, you know, he was like joking around with them and all that stuff. And it's like, wow, I saw this icon, right? In a completely different way. It turns out he's, he's like a real person, you know? He's like, he's a dad. He's, a, he's somebody that you can know and not just see on TV. And this is what Jesus is introducing us to with God, same God, right? But he's introducing us to a new kingdom. He's introducing us to a new reality. He's introducing us to a new exodus and a new covenant and a new humanity and a new revelation of God as a God. Who, yeah, he's still completely powerful. He's completely awesome. He's completely holy, but he's also knowable and approachable and relatable. So Jesus starts this prayer with this huge, at that time, really shocking word. And it's a word we want to repeat every time we pray and every day as a reminder for us of who we're talking to. He's our Father. But He's our Father in heaven. So in our culture, we're kind of used to the idea of God being our Father. We might have a harder time seeing the second part seeing him as being in heaven and recognizing what the Israelites recognized about his power and about his holiness. Um, God's our father and he is completely knowable and completely loving and completely relational, but he's also completely holy. And that word means like, like set apart, like distinct, different. Um, nothing else is like God. 
Um, God is omnipotent. Just, just like chew on that, right? He, he has all power. So like what, things that we think of being powerful are nothing, right? The ocean is nothing. Volcano, nothing. Atomic bomb, it's nothing, right? He's, he's, he's all powerful. He's, he's omniscient. He knows everything. And it's not just he knows how many leaves are on your oak tree at home, which he does. And it's not just that he knows how many hairs are on your head, which he does. And it's not that he knows how far apart Earth is from Pluto, which he does. He also knows the future. He also knows what's right and what's good. He knows everything. He's, he, he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at the same time. I don't even know what that means. Uh, he's everywhere at the same time. I, I, he's timeless. He's timeless. This means God exists outside of time. Tell me you understand that, right? It's just like, do you really want to worship a God that you can understand, right? He's, he's, that's, he's, he's amazing. And all this is to say, God is not one of us. God is not like us. And there are religions that claim to be Christianity that will th- say things like, as man is now, God once was. And that is absolutely not biblical. So if they come to your door, that's a good question to ask them. There's Psalm 90. Before the mountains were born, right? before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. Not like us. Completely different than us. Completely distinct from us. We grow and change, right, all the time. We, then we get really old and we start to really change, right? And then, but Malachi 3.6, God says, I'm the Lord. I don't, I don't change. I don't change. So Jesus starts this prayer model with our Father in heaven to remind us that God's, he's not like us. He's not one of us. He's completely distinct from humanity. In fact, if you read Psalm 86, Jeremiah 10, uh, 1 Samuel 2, it'll remind you there is no one like God. So why, why is that a big deal in our prayer to recognize that? And I'll tell you, for me, there is a lot of comfort in the otherness of God and the fact that he's not like us. Because when my stuff is out of control, right, when my life is too big and too hard and too scary for me, it doesn't make me feel better to pray to a God that's the same as I am. Right? It doesn't make me feel better to pray to a man that's no different than I am. But Philippians 4, 6 says when we stop worrying, right? when we stop holding on to our problems and dealing with them in our own human weakness, right? when we stop holding on to our problems and we instead give those problems to this amazing, loving, powerful, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipowerful, amazing God, that's when we get real peace. So starting our prayer with our Father in heaven is not an accident. It is an amazing reminder of who we're talking to. And it's also a great reminder of who we are. Because I'm going to tell you that one of Satan's best tricks to steal the joy and the hope and the life from people is to attack our personal value, is to attack our identity. He would love to have you think that you deserve to be miserable and scared and lonely 
because you're ugly and, and unlovable and unforgivable and unacceptable. He would love to have you forget who you are. That you're children of God. That you're created in his image. And you might have other value. Maybe you're really good looking, right? Maybe you're really good at making money. Maybe you're really good at algebra or art or pickleball, right? Maybe you have some other value in your life, but I'm telling you that your greatest value comes when you see how amazing God is and then you see how he sees you. That's incredible. That's when you see who you really are. That's when you see your true value. That's when you see what you're really worth. Look at this Psalm, it's Psalm 8. It's really cool, it's a poem, right? Like most of them. It's Psalm 8, starting in verse one, and it, it's gonna tell us, about, it's gonna talk about seeing how incredible God is, and then it's gonna kinda morph, and it's gonna talk about how God sees us. So it's gonna start with talking about how amazing God is, and then it's gonna change, and it's gonna talk about how God sees us. So look what it says. It starts with, your, O Lord, your, or Lord your, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. And when I look at the night sky, and I see that's the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, you set them in place. What are mere mortals that you would even think about them? Right, what, like human beings, you would even care for them? And yet you made them only a little lower than Elohim, only a little lower than God. And you crowned them with glory and honor, and you gave them charge of everything you made putting them in complete authority over everything, the flocks and the herds and the wild animals and the birds and the sky and the fish of the sea and everything that swims in the ocean currents. Oh Lord, oh Yahweh, Adonai, oh God, your majestic name fills the earth. It's a cool poem, huh? The first line and the last line are the same. And they tell us how amazing God is. And then in the middle, it says, yeah, he's amazing. And as humans, we're made in his image. And, and he trusts us to rule the world. In fact, this language is the exact same language that he uses with Adam and Eve when he tells them to take dominion, right? Be fruitful and multiply and rule over the same thing. The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the animals on the land. Um, N.T. Wright is a, is a pretty famous author and preacher, and he coined a term for God. He says God is dianthropic. Dianthropic. So die, which means through, right? Like dissect. And anthropic, which means human. God chooses to rule the world. God chooses to accomplish his purpose through humans. That's how he sees you. He created everything and he's given it to us to run it. And even more than that, if God is our father, that makes us not just his partners. Right? Not just as business managers, right? That makes us his children. This is Romans 8, 15. You haven't received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to a form that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. So praying our Father in heaven reminds us that God through Christ, sees us not only as worthy of ruling the world he created, but also worthy of being his family. And as children of the king of everything, this tells us that we are joint heirs with Jesus, that we will, that we will inherit with Jesus the kingdom of God. And 
just like you, right? You want to bless your kids. You want to bless, you want to bless your kids. And not, this is like a, a startling statement. Because people, a lot of people have said about the prayer, like, I don't want to ask for stuff because, you know, it feels weird or something like that. Can I say something to you? God wants to bless you. Isn't that weird? Just like you want to bless your kids. Now, what you call a blessing to them and what they call a blessing to them isn't always the same thing, right? Just like you want to bless your kids, you want what's best for them, right? God wants to bless you. And now here's something else. He wants to communicate with you. You, you, as his children, you have basically unlimited access to God. Think about that statement. God wants to hear from you. Um, I, I, I'll prove it to you. Every Sunday after church, I'm out in the lobby, right? I'm walking around. We're, talk, we're talking, right? Oh, oh, what a brilliant sermon. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Okay, so, so like that one doesn't come up that much. But like we're talking about important stuff right? We're talking about important stuff. And then invariably, one of my grandkids comes running up to me, right? And it's like, that's the end of our conversation, right? Ophelia's four. And she'll just walk. She doesn't care what we're talking about. She doesn't care what we're talking about. She doesn't care if you're crying, right? She's like, G. She called me G. G. Um, can I have a mint, right? She, she doesn't care what we're talking about. She doesn't care how important you are. And if I could just be honest with you, most of the time, neither do I. I mean, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we're having important conversations, but that, this is my grandkids, you know? And that trumps pretty much everything. God sees you like that. God loves you like that. He wants to bless you. He wants to communicate with you. And yeah, he's busy. Yeah, he's kind of important, you know? He's handling, you know, famine and earthquakes and keeping the galaxies from colliding and all that stuff. But we're his kids. And that trumps just about everything. I think it's really helpful for us in a world where we're every day knocked down and persecuted and betrayed and insulted. In a world where we're constantly made to feel less than, praying our Father reminds us who we really are. We're made in the image of God. He sees us as worthy of ruling the world. He sees us as worthy of being called his children and being blessed by him and having unconditional, unlimited access to him. So every day when we pray our Father, it reminds us of who God is, reminds us of who we are, and it reminds us of who we are to each other. Because it doesn't say, my Father in heaven, it's our Father. So if he's my father and he's your father, what does that make us? We're, we're brothers and sisters, right? Look at 1 John 5, 1. Everyone, it says, who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves a father loves his children too. So everyone who believes in Jesus is a child of God and all God's children love each other. In fact, in John 13, 35, what did Jesus say? He said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. And I don't want to like harsh your mellow here. But listen, listen to what it says. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So if I find another Christian unlovable, does that mean that they aren't a disciple? Or does that mean that I'm not a disciple? We'll preach that another time. 
that's not for today. God, I shouldn't even scratch that out. Um, God wants his kids to love each other. And if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you understand that, right? Because nothing gives a parent greater joy. Nothing gives a grandparent greater joy than seeing their kids loving each other. So every time we pray, our Father in heaven, it's a great reminder to us that one of the best ways to please our Father is to love our brothers and sisters. So I would say, yeah, Jesus, um, good job. Good start to this prayer. Our Father in heaven is a great way to start a prayer because it reminds us of who God is and who we are and who we are to each other. So before we go, though, um, last week I was bombarded with people when we said we were going to talk about prayer that said, man, I'm glad you're teaching about prayer. Let me tell you my problem. Not realizing that they were the 43rd person to tell me they had the same problem. Here's the problem. I start to pray, right? I'm going to pray for an hour. Dang it, right? I'm going to pray for a half hour. I'm going to pray for five minutes, whatever it is. But I get so distracted, right? Everybody's, everybody's doing that. Um, I think I have prayer attention deficit disorder because I, I can't stay focused, you know? It's like, I'm gonna do this, you know? Okay, it's five minutes, man. It's five, five minutes, I can do this. Okay, here we go, here we go. Here it's gonna be, I'm ready. Here it. <laughs> Our Father in heaven, and the phone rings, right? Or the dog barks, right? Or a gust of wind, right? <laughs> Anything and nothing. It could be nothing. And it's like all of a sudden I am out, man. And I'm thinking about something else and I'm thinking about somebody else. And how am I going to handle this meeting? Why didn't I study for that test? How am I going to pay this bill? Did I turn the coffee pot off? I can't believe what's in the news. Should I dye my hair? How many days till Christmas? Right. And then it's like, okay, well, five minutes is up. So that's the, right. Every day I try, but I get distracted. Let me ask you a question because. I think this is fairly relatable. Does anybody not struggle, at least a little bit, with getting distracted while you pray? I think almost all of us do, and I don't have like an immediate cure for that, but I have two, I hope, helpful ideas real quick for when you get distracted in prayer. Um, number one, when you get distracted, you're, you're praying, and you get distracted by a situation or by a person, instead of kicking yourself, right? Oh, I guess I'm a terrible prayer. God must be mad at me. Instead of that, Pray about the situation that you're distracted by, right? If you're trying to pray and this person's face keeps popping in your head, instead of shooing them out, I'm busy right now, I'm talking to God, right? Instead of that, how about talking to God about them, right? How about maybe just pray, pray, pray about the situation that's distracting you. Pray for the person that, that's coming into your head. You know what? Maybe God put that situation or that person in your head because he wants to talk to you about them. This template for prayer isn't designed to kill our conversation with God by giving us a rigid script to stick to. It's supposed to stimulate a conversation with God by giving us some like talking points to get us started. So if a situation pops into your head, great. Talk to God about it. If a person pops into your head, great. Pray for that person. The goal is not to get through our list. The goal is not to successfully check the box that I finished the template today. The goal is to eventually get to a point where we pray like Jesus, right? where we're having real conversations in real time about real stuff, right? All the time about everything. So if you get distracted by a thought of a person or a situation, 
Maybe God wants to talk to you about that. So bring that into your conversation. Number two, some people will say, yeah, but this is different. This is not like that. I'm getting distracted by like sinful thoughts or I'm getting distracted by things that are just a waste of time, right? They're not worth praying. <laughs> They're not worth praying over. They're just stupid little distractions. And I'm, listen, I, I feel you, right? Because I have it too. The other night I'm back on my back porch and I'm praying and it's dark in the morning, right? And now the sun is coming up. And as the sun's coming up, I'm reminded once again that I haven't put my backyard in yet. Right, so I have a front yard. My backyard is mostly dirt and weeds right now, right? And as the sun is coming up, oh, you know, I'm trying to pray, right? And it's like, my yard is horrible. And so I just started thinking, you know what I should do is I should put some railroad ties over there. And then if I did that, I could separate some mulch out over there. And then I should put grass. But if I don't put grass, I got to put sprinklers. And they won't even let us water right now, you know? So I don't even should I get fake grass, but that's so expensive. And so I start like, I'm on my prayer journal, in my prayer journal, I'm diagramming my backyard and where the grass should go and all that stuff. And now I'm Googling the price of fake grass. Okay, so some of these distractions are not from God, right? Just so he can tell you this is something I want you to pray about. Some of these things are just waste of time. And some of these things are even sinful. How terrible is this? I missed time with my Father in heaven because I was Googling the price of fake grass. And I think those distractions really are spiritual warfare. I think the devil loves to distract us. He loves to eat up our prayer time. And I think if he think, I think he thinks, if he can sidetrack you a thousand times, right, you'll eventually run out of time. Or you'll give up and quit. But I have a spiritual warfare battle strategy for you, if that's happening to you. This idea of our Father in heaven is so important that I would say if you get sidetracked a thousand times, each time just start over with our Father in heaven. And even if it is a thousand times, because if a thousand times you remind yourself of who God is and who you are and who we are together, that is not a bad way to spend your prayer time. And I'm thinking if I was Satan and I was trying to distract you, but all it did was make you return to our Father a thousand times, I would stop that strategy because it would be a pretty amazing prayer just to remind yourself a thousand times a day who God is, who we are, and who that makes us to each other. Let's pray. Our Father, God, don't let us forget how important it is for us to see that you love us and that you're approachable and relatable and that you love us as a father. Lord, just thank you for being our father. Thank you for being in heaven and being higher and bigger and stronger and greater than anything that we come up against. Lord, as we're going through this prayer thing and we're learning how to pray, this, Jesus started with this for a reason. Remind us every day of who you are and who we are and who we are to each other. Lord, thank you for the privilege we have of coming every day in prayer to our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you go, I've got, uh, Pastor Mike is here right now. He's got a quick announcement for you. So sit tight. Don't zip your Bibles. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the great and wonderful Pastor Mike. <laughs> no charge. Thanks. Thanks, Dad. <laughs>
Hey guys, I, I want to talk to you really quick. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've seen our little video announcement. We have a kind of a night that I've been working on literally for years to make happen here, and it's a night with Ransom Life. Uh, Ransom Life is an organization that works primarily in the San Antonio and the surrounding areas, dealing with those that are rescued from commercial sex trafficking and also in the education uh, to prevent those from being getting caught up in this world. So it's a messy subject. I hate like having to bring it up, um, but it's such a relevant message, especially as it really starts to make its move out here. So it's a night designed to really educate you guys and to empower y'all to kind of be aware of certain things on how things are working as far as commercial sex trafficking goes in our area. Uh, I think a lot of times when folks think about sex trafficking, what they're thinking about is um, someone way south. Uh, and that's not, you know, that, wouldn't, that doesn't affect us at all. But unfortunately, uh, it is really prevalent here, and accessibility is really the key to it. And so I was talking to Ransom Life this week about, you know, what, what, what do we say to encourage folks to go? And they say, we're really trying to keep kids from being accessible. Um, so I said, so how does a child become accessible? And they said, as soon as a child has any access or a friend with any access whatsoever to a phone, they are accessible. So now we have to learn how to prevent things with them being accessible. So that's what this night is really designed for. It's for adults. So if you have a kid or know a kid, if you're a teacher or a coach or an aunt or an uncle, I promise this night will not be a waste of time. Um, to kind of make it easy for everyone, what we're also doing at the same time, we're gonna have adults in here. Uh, it's gonna start at 6.45. It's on Wednesday, October 18th, just a couple, couple days from now. We're gonna have adults in here, and then we're gonna have our students uh, in the inside outhouse simultaneously grades 6 through 12 will get a presentation uh, suitable for their age on kind of the liars and lures, the lies and lures that kind of go on to get them when they are accessible. So I really encourage you to make this night a priority and kind of in an effort to eliminate the extra excuse, we also will have childcare um, from birth through sixth grade. You could also choose to come to our kids choir that night if you want to try that out. So really something for literally every age that night. And let me tell you what's going to happen in our family. We're going to miss soccer practice. Can you believe it? We're going to skip a practice. So I'm encouraging you to skip a practice that night and make this a priority to get out. It's a very important night. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have about it. All we need you to do is just show up. If you need childcare, just go to mycbcb.com slash ransom life, and you can sign up for childcare there. I'll be out in the lobby if you have more questions. Thank you all for being so supportive of the things that, that we're supporting in this church. Financially, we've been able to do so much to help Ransom Life, and that's because of you guys. So now we're kind of taking the next step of not just financially getting behind them, but how do we be hands and feet behind them to do what we can do to prevent this really, really horrible stuff that's going on. So thank you all so much. Come back next week. I get to preach next week. So yay or boo to that, but I'll be here. I'm really excited about the message. You guys have a fantastic week.